0: Well, hey there, guys. Welcome to the show on today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast. Hold on to your seats. Big surprise. Netflix is about to raise their prices again. Also, a new report coming out and some rumors going around that when the X-Men launch in the MCU, they're going to do it without Wolverine. Also, did you know that Max, yes, the streaming service Max, is actually the number one ranked customer service in all the streaming platforms? We're going to go down the list. Taylor Swift's concert is setting new box office records and all-time pre-sales records for Cinemark theaters. Also, Against my better judgment, I'm going to give you my thoughts on the season of Ahsoka, and uh, spoiler alert, why I didn't like it. Also, Disney Plus is about to start cracking down on password sharing, and they may even terminate your account if they think you did the dirty deed. That and a whole bunch more of the John Cava Show podcast starts right the hell now. Greetings and salutations everybody. Welcome to the best damn mover late show on the planet, the John Campion Show podcast. Coming to you from right here in our quaint little studio brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I'm of course your host, John Campion, and it is an awesome honor and privilege as it is every single freaking day to have you our international friends gather around we talk about our favorite things in the world. Movies and movie news, TV and streaming and all sorts of good stuff. Not just giving you our opinions, but giving you some information and context as well. So you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether the exact same or completely different from ours. Uh, joining me in studio today, we got Ray Ora, Hey, hey, hey. Jonathan Voikos here. I am here. Robert Meyer Burnett's usually here on Wednesdays, but he had a last minute gig he had to go to do so. Chris has been kind enough to join us today. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing great. Hanging out in the booth. And uh, most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here making this show part of your day. Here's how the show's going to go. We're going to start off by talking about all those topics I just listed off. Then in the last part of the show, we're going to take questions from our YouTube channel members. Every day we ask our channel members, who are great supporters of our channel, to send in a bunch of topics and questions, and we get through just as many as we can. With that down, let's get into it here, shall we? We're going to start off with this. Kel Supri, Netflix is reportedly going to be raising their prices Again, and if this seems like deja vu, you're not mistaken because this seems like it's happening every three days. Of course, it's not every three days, but it seems like it's happening at an increasingly rapid rate. Now, look, I've always said that even as the prices have been going up, that I believe at the price it's at, which I believe the current price for a standard, correct me if I'm wrong, the current price for a standard subscription is $15.50 a month, I believe or it's right around there. Okay. And if you want premium it's 20 bucks a month. And I've contended that even at 15 bucks and change, that Netflix for what you get is still actually a value proposition. I mean, what you're getting for that 15 bucks a month is that's a lot of content. You're getting an awful lot of stuff. But what do you got there? Standard with ads is
1: 6.99 and that's No, the- that's ad supported. And then standard is fifteen forty nine.
0: Okay, so it's fifteen fifty, and then Pre- premium yeah, is twenty bucks, right? Ninety nine, right? So, uh, I mean, if you can get pay a little bit cheaper if you want the ad supported stuff, but I mean, at some point, we gotta even if you're somebody like me that you're looking at this and say, yeah, that fifteen bucks, it's a good value proposition. As it keeps going up, it's going to become less and less of a value proposition. This comes to us from The Verge, who writes the following. As reported by The Wall Street Journal, Netflix will raise prices in several markets globally, starting with the U.S. and Canada. It's still not clear how much Netflix will raise prices, and Netflix declined to comment. Netflix raised prices across all of its plans just last year, bringing the ad-free standard tier to $15.49 a month, plus the premium plan to $19.99 a month. The company also rolled out a $6.99 a month ad-supported plan, and the latter axed its mid-tier $10 a month basic ad-free plan. And again, that comes to us from The Verge. So we don't know how much more they're increasing the price by. It also doesn't specify whether they're just increasing the prices of the standard plan, the ad-free plan, the premium plan. I have a feeling it might be across the board. Now, look, what I think this might be a symptom of, and we talked about this not long ago, that the streamers are more and more reverting back to the old cable model, ad-supported. And I think the streamers like Hulu, Disney, Netflix, on and on, are realizing, huh, you know what? We make a lot more money off somebody who goes with the ad-supported plan than we do from people who pay a little bit more for the ad-free plan. We're actually making more money off the people who pay less a month but get the ad-supported plan. That's why Amazon, you guys remember earlier this week, we talked about the fact that Amazon Prime Video, which if you had Amazon Prime Video was ad-free, well, now it's going to be ad-supported unless you pay more and extra on top of what you're already paying. The streamers are all reverting back to the old cable model. So I'm curious to see if Netflix is just going to increase the price of the ad-free plan to try to corral all of us over to the ad-supported plan, or if they're going to increase the ad-supported plan price too. Anyway, Chris, I know you are, in your words, historically cheap. Uh, cheap. You you like to pay as little as possible as do most of us. Um, Are you surprised to hear this? What do you think is motivating them? Do you think this is going to make more people want
2: to go to like the cheaper ad supported plan? How do you see this? I definitely see people going to the cheaper version because you've been paying this low, low rate for a while. I think a lot of people are like me where they have multiple streaming platforms. They have six or seven streamers they use. And when you add all that up, it comes this huge, ridiculous cable bundle that isn't sustainable for a lot of households or a lot of incomes. I do have to say I'm really enjoying the rhetoric around this <laughs> because every ad or every every article is prices should increase once the actor strike is settled.
0: Right. Yeah. With
2: with putting the onus on the actors. Which <laughs> I mean, let's call a spade, a spade, a spade. If you want residuals if we want everyone to be getting an equal piece of the pie. Obviously, the executives are going to charge more money so that they don't lose as much of the pie. Right. There's that nice little difference for them. But I do really enjoy. Oh, well, we're going to probably have to raise these because of those greedy actors. God, that two percent of revenue they want. It's really screwing you, the consumer. Oh, Well, I mean, look, to be
0: fair, to be fair here, none of the studios have said that, (laughs) that that's, that's the people writing these articles are saying that, but the the other thing is this, that other than Netflix, I mean, let's keep in mind, other than Netflix, all of the streaming services are losing money right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, so it's when you add extra, whatever's going to add extra, you know, whatever to it, but look. The reality is this pattern of the streaming services increasing their rates and their prices, this has been going on long before the writers strike and long before the actors strike. So exactly. they better not try to phrase this in such a way as, well, because we got to give the writers and actors more, we have to raise your price. No, no, you've been raising your prices this whole time. Um, 100%. And, and again, look, like I've always said, I thought they have been charging a reasonable amount. Now, it's up to you and me if we want to get all the streaming services and make our bill be over 100 bucks a month. That's on us. But each individual service has not been charging what I believe to be an unreasonable amount for what we get. However, Chris, even somebody like me, there's a breaking point. Netflix offers a lot of content. But what do you think is going to be that breaking point where even people who are optimistic like me look and say, look, 15 bucks a month, that's reasonable, whatever. What do you think is going to be that price point that if Netflix raises their prices to this point, that's the Ooh. point where that a lot of people like Campia are might revolt and say, no, that's too much. What do you think that line might be?
2: Oh, man, I'm trying to think of the number that would really piss you off because <laughs> for me it's like pay more than eight dollars a month how dare you get out of my house but but for you gosh i'm guessing something around like the 30 mark monthly might be a little might be a little steep with your other streamers
0: i i think 30's not bad i i think my breaking point might even be before that i think if they get to like 25 dollars a month i think for me I'm even i'm going nah no, thanks, thanks Netflix, but no more. Uh, I think I can do twenty. I think I can do twenty two ninety five. But it, I think once it gets to twenty five, even somebody like me is like, I don't know.
1: I, I, I think, think that's a bit much. I think twenty is the limit for like most most people. I think it, as soon as something goes over twenty bucks, that's when I actually start thinking, oh, do I really need this or whatever
3: like that. Well, then because think- you start looking at your competitors and you're like, Apple TVs charging what right now? Yeah. I mean, it'll go up too, but what is it charging right now? Not as much as Netflix. Yeah. Uh, I think Apple, Apple is
1: like, is it six. It's $6.99? Like yeah. Yeah. yeah, so there's a
3: still
0: pretty low. I mean, you know they're going to raise their prices Of too. course. Like, of course they are. But, and I that's mean, why cable is still in the
1: game. Yeah, So yeah, they're going to stick around. They're going to see that people going back eventually if
0: all everything is $20, so. Yeah. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this, shall we? There's a story going around, uh, unconfirmed, that when the MCU finally launches the X-Men in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that the X-Men team is going to be sans Wolverine. No Wolverine, says this report going around. Now, of course, that would be the complete opposite of the way Fox handled the X-Men, because when they launched the X-Men, the very first movie was about Wolverine meeting the X-Men and joining the X-Men, and away they go. Now, comic purists will, of course, note that, hey, in the original X-Men team, there was no Wolverine. Who, who was in the original X-Men? It was it was Cyclops. It Cyclops. was Jean Grey. It was Beast. It was Angel and Iceman, right? W- w- and, of course, Professor X. So that was the original team. So that's what's going around. But this is the specific report going around. This comes to us from CBR. And they're quoting, granted, everybody's got to take this as a giant grain salt because it's coming from a Twitter account. All right? One, that has predicted a couple things. Not always right, but predicted a couple things, so you got some outlets like a really good one like CBR reporting on this, but this is what they're saying. The current idea is to reboot the X-Men in the MCU does not feature Wolverine on the team. The scooper also hints that the studio's plan for the mutants is connected to Marvel, starting to push the X-Men so hard across all mediums and will continue to push them until they're on the big screen. If this rumor turns out to be true, it will be a stark contrast to 20th Century Fox's X-Men film series, which I was just saying this, uh, which prominently featured or mentioned Hugh Jackman's Wolverine in almost every single entry. I'm of two minds on this. Uh, The one part of me thinks, you know what? That would be a little bit more true to the comic book origins. Wolverine did not come around until much later. Um, It would also be neat To not lead with your heaviest power hitter, you know, because look, the most popular X-Men character is obviously Wolverine. He just is, right? So it would actually be kind of interesting to not lead. Like, hey, in baseball, Jonathan, you're like this. I'm going to use a baseball analogy. I don't even like baseball. Where do you put your heaviest hitter? In the leadoff spot? Nah, you make him bat fourth. You put your best hitter fourth. Because then, you know, hopefully you get a couple guys on base with the first three batters and you got somebody up who's got a higher potential to knock in those runs, right? So maybe the idea is to to bring Wolverine in a little bit later, not, not have your best come out right off the gate. At the same time, it almost seems important to lead off by having Wolverine there. I mean, again, he is the most popular X-Men character amongst non-combook fans, I mean, if you go around and ask non-comic book readers, name an X-Man, I don't think I'm being improper by saying I think 80% of those people will say Wolverine before they say Bishop or before they say Blink or before they say Domino or before they say you know Cyclops or whatever. Before they say any of them, I think most people are just going to say Wolverine. And if you want to get people on board right away, maybe you should be leading with Wolverine being on the team. All that is to say, I'm intrigued by this idea. I don't know that this is true. I have a feeling Disney won't want to launch without having you know, Wolverine on that team. I mean, look, when they launched Avengers, they didn't launch with a bunch of B-listers. They launched Avengers by having Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk. They they had all of them on there. So I don't know that Disney would actually want to launch without Wolverine, but I got to say, okay, if I'm a studio executive, I put Wolverine in the team right away. But as a fan, I got to say I'm intrigued by the idea of not leading with them. Chris, you're hearing this report. first question is, do you think the report is true? And secondly, if you're an exec at Disney, do you start off the X-Men franchise with Wolverine as a part of it? Or do you save them for a little bit later? What would you do?
2: I do think there's validity to this. I really, really do. And as an executive, if I'm in the seat here, do I want to give everyone the main course or do I want to start them out with an appetizer? Mm. Now, Wolverine didn't show up in the comics until about 1974 in Hulk 181. That was his first performance in comics. And then we don't see him again with the X-Men until 1975 when Charles Xavier recruits him. Right. That, to me, is a more interesting story to tell here, of having that recruitment process, of having your team, kind of like we have in that OG X-Men movie of, okay, Logan's meeting everyone, yada, yada, yada. But I like the idea of having the established X-Men seeing them having different window characters and then bringing in Wolverine, especially because Hugh Jackman is still so fresh for all of us. I mean, he's going to be in Deadpool 3. And I think that's who everyone really associates with it. And while audiences, I think, are quick to move on and accept another person in a role, look at all our spider man look yeah. at all our Batman. I do think Hugh Jackman has been tied to this character for decades and giving us a little bit of rest would be really beneficial. And that way, then we can usher in our new Wolverine, who I assume is going to be Daniel Radcliffe.
0: (laughs) Hey, listen, I've surprisingly gotten on board with you on that. I am on board with Daniel Radcliffe as Wolverine now.
2: He'd be so good. He'd be so good. But we need that little bit of a palate cleanser. Introduce us to the X-Men. Wolverine is obviously one of the ones too, who we could understand why societally people are a little wary of him. He shoots knives out of his body, essentially. (laughs) I mean, that's not somebody who you maybe want to go have a meet and greet with at superhero con at Avengers con. He seems like a very gruff, scary guy, and those are the kind of mutants we can build towards too. So we do have that differential between the lunchbox heroes and the mutants who we're unwary of.
0: I I agree with everything you said. The other part of me is just you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And do you want to shock and awe, come out of the gate with Wolverine or not? But you may raise a good point too about the Hugh Jackman factor, about maybe just a little bit of a breath because we are, like you said, we're getting him in Deadpool 3. Maybe we are going to need a little bit of a breath before we jump right into a new actor playing the role. We're going to have to keep our eyes on that. All right. With that down, guys, let's move on to this, shall we? Might surprise you to find out that HBO Max, uh, sorry, Max, whatever, still... David it's the one
3: to watch HBO.
0: What the hell? <laughs> it's still, other than Peacock, the dumbest name for your streaming service. Okay, anyway. Uh, Max, it might surprise you to find out, is actually the number one ranked customer satisfaction streaming service out of all of them right now. You mean uh, Satisfaction? <laughs> oh, jeez.
3: He likes it. S- Satis- He's like, "That's the song of my new tune." Saddest Maxion.
0: How uh, long, Ray, have you been I just, waiting? I should have just kept it in been here. Waiting
1: for this. Should have just kept it in here and just let you go on.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, as we go and look at the list, this list is taken from Variety, by the way. Variety gave the list of what the customer satisfaction is. At number one is Max. At number two is Hulu, I'm not surprised to see that one right up there near the top. Number three is Disney Plus. Number four is Apple TV Plus with 81% approval. Number five is Paramount Plus with 79. All the way down at number six is the biggest streamer in the world, is Netflix at a 77% approval. Prime Video is at number four, and last on their uh, eight list was Peacock at 74 as well. It's an interesting list here. And I'm not surprised by Max being at number one at all. Because take away all the whining and crying about, oh, DC's starting a new DC. Or, uh, you know, we didn't like that. They didn't put Batgirl in theaters, which, by the way, was still 100% the right decision for them to make. Or they took these things off of Max. Take all that away. Max is the superior streaming service. I mean, they, and because it just goes back from their catalog material to the new stuff they put out, they have a degree and a level of excellence. Not everything they put out is top shelf. Nobody's is, but they have a much higher winning percentage, I would suggest than, than anybody else. And if you're a max subscriber, and especially if you're a max subscriber that kind of likes, the cooking shows, the home renovation shows, because now all of Discovery's content is now on Max. So I, to be honest with you, I'm really not surprised to see Max came in at number one. And number two being Hulu, only 1% behind again. They have been probably my favorite streaming service for a long time. I mean, you guys remember for a long time, I said, if I could only have one streaming service, I hate to give a lot of them up, but I would probably stick with Hulu. Uh, Disney Plus comes in with a strong showing at 85%. Apple TV plus 81. I have a feeling Apple TV plus is going to continue to score higher as years go by and they add more content because they are still, you know, they're a quality, not a quantity. You can make an argument, Netflix, Netflix, who does have some very high quality stuff, by the way, but their philosophy is all about quantity over quality. I mean, they just put so much stuff out. Apple's approach seems to be different. And I think as they start to accumulate more original content you're going to see that approval percentage goes up. Uh, Paramount Plus has been doing a nice job. <laughs> yeah, uh, they should be number one, actually. You think so? You know why? Why? Because I've tried to cancel them for like
1: <laughs> no, 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 no That's for like argument. No, no, no for like a full year. And every time I try to cancel, they go, "Hey, don't leave. We'll give you three more months." I think I've stacked so many free <laughs> months. I think I have it until twenty twenty seven. Like that. Like every time I try to cancel, because like I'm like maybe I watched everything. They're like, no. Stick with us. Where
0: did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles end up? Is that Yeah, yeah Paramount Plus. Oh, well, that's another good one. Yeah, I watched know, it a canceled. couple times and so, you know, <laughs> we'll see how long this trial lasts. Um, Prime Video, again, they knock it out of the park with some things. I mean, obviously the boys Gen V right now, which is blowing my mind. I love Gen V. And then Peacock, which you know what? Oh, God, they're gaining. They're getting stuff. They're And by the way, their approval percentage is up from last year. Good. So they and you know, but I'll be honest with you. I like a number of things on Peacock, but if they didn't have The Office and Parks and Rec, I don't know if I would still have Peacock. I I mostly have Peacock because I got to watch regular reruns of The Office and Parks and Rec, but it's an interesting thing
3: there. All all I can think about here is, Max, 88% of the time, we satisfy all all the the time.
0: time. Chris, you had a chance to see this list and these rankings. Do any of these surprise you? Why do you think it worked out this way? What would you have put at number one? How do you see it?
2: I'm a little surprised. I Max has some really quality television on it, obviously. But for me, Apple is the one that really fires on all cylinders. And sure, it's not as intensive of a catalog or anything. There's not as an extensive list there. But man, all their original stuff is so good and so worth it. Max, I think, just also ticks a couple like nostalgia things for me because I can go back and watch like some classic DC things. I can go back and watch a whole bunch of different movies. So there's definitely a large catalog that I think is appealing to everybody. But man, I'm surprised that a lot of people have it. And that's the number one, I mean, especially look, with their transition.
0: There's an argument to be made, too. Like, if you just want to look at catalog, there's an argument to be made that if you get a lot of people together and put together a list of, like, the 15 best television shows ever, maybe, like, a third of that list is going to be taken up just by HBO and Mac Show. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. going right? to beat that. So, I mean, Definitely so you got the true. catalog stuff, you got their current stuff, you got DC stuff, you got the Discovery stuff. I mean, I really do think the one thing that's holding Apple back a little bit is that it is such a small selection right now. Like, oh my God, I, there's maybe Last of Us Season 2, maybe House of the Dragon, but there's not many shows that I'm as excited about coming back as- um, Severance. Uh, well, actually, no, Severance is another one, but it's not Severance. It's wow. uh, the Jason Segel one. Um Oh, shrinking. Uh, uh, shrinking. Shrinking, yeah. There's yeah. very few shows I'm as excited about coming back as Shrinking, but Severance is another one. I mean, so it's like they've got all the boxes checked, right? They've got big catalog. They've got your comic book stuff in there if you want that. They've got in- insanely superior originals. So, yeah, they're doing good but, it's good. but I think as Apple starts to add more and more and more, I think you're going to see Apple continue to climb that list. All right. Guys, with that down, we still got to talk about, God, I know a lot of people are getting tired, but Taylor Swift continues to break new box office records and ticket sales records. I'm going to give my thoughts on the overall season one of Ahsoka. Look, if you're just looking for somebody who's going to tell you that it's great, at that point, you might want to tune out because I'm not going to tell you that it was great. Uh, Also, Disney is getting ready to crack down on password sharing to the degree that you might find your account suddenly terminated. But what, before we get to those though, we're going to take just a quick second here and thank a couple of sponsors of today's episode of the John Capish Show podcast, our friends at Vessi and HelloFresh. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Vessi. Now you guys know I'm not exactly the most fashion conscious guy in the world, but I love a great pair of shoes that are comfortable and I can wear almost anywhere. And growing up in Canadian winters, when my feet got wet a lot, waterproof would be nice too. Enter Vessi. They make the claim that they're not just fashionable and super comfortable, they're also waterproof. Now, you guys remember, when I got my first pair of Vessis, I put them to the ultimate waterproof test. I actually stuck my foot in my pool, my feet stayed dry, and the shoes stayed dry. Incredible. And they're the most comfortable pair of shoes I ever owned. Well, that made me want another pair. So I got another pair of Vessi's that look great and just equal that world-class comfort that I got from that first pair of shoes. They are absolutely my favorite shoes that I've ever owned. Imagine your favorite sneaker style, supercharged with waterproof technology and unmatched comfort. No matter how you like to stay active, Vessi has the shoes for you. Trail-ready high tops, effortless slip-ons, and classic court shoes, all with a waterproof twist. They are just as comfortable and stylish as your favorite sneakers, but even more versatile. So if you're like me and you want good looking shoes that are ready for anything rain or shine, make sure you go to Vessi.com slash Campia and get yourself a pair today. Go to Vessi.com slash Campia and get shoes for your best summer yet. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video. HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Kickstart a fresh fall routine with HelloFresh. HelloFresh handles all the meal planning and shopping to deliver everything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home. They do the hard part and you get to take the credit. HelloFresh takes the stress out of mealtime by delivering fresh ingredients and easy recipes right to your door. So this fall, skip that extra trip to the grocery store and have dinner ready in no time with America's number 1 meal kit. Like we've mentioned before, Ann and I are both working professionals and mealtime is sometimes a bit stressful. That's why we absolutely love HelloFresh. It's nutritious, it's delicious and we actually have a really good time making dinner together. So guys, go to hellofresh.com/50campia and use the code 50campia for 50% off plus free shipping that's hellofresh.com slash 50 campia and use the code 50 campia for 50% off plus free shipping hellofresh america's number one meal kit and thank you to our friends at vessi most comfortable shoes i've ever worn and the delicious folks at hellofresh for sponsoring this episode of the john campy show podcast all right guys with that down let's move on to this shall we are you swifty ah you're all swifties At least you might think so, because Taylor Swift's concert movie, Eris, coming out on October 13th, (laughs) continues to smash records. Now, you guys will remember, think the day or two after tickets went on sale, we did a little exercise. We brought up our AMC app, and we started looking at all the theaters, and they were all sold out. Some of them had zero seats available. Some of them just had the the very front row. Some of had a couple of singles. But that damn thing was sold out completely. Well, now... The numbers continue to be impressive because CNN is just reporting now that the Eras Tour concert has actually broken the record for one of the big movie theater chains, Cinemark. This is what CNN had to say: Taylor Swift's concert film has hasn't even been released yet, and it's already toppling box office records. Cinemark, a theater chain with about 500 locations, said that ticket sales for Taylor Swift's The Eras Tour are "quote unquote" setting domestic pre-sales records with demand. 10 times higher than any other film released through the company. The reaction has blown everyone away, Cinemark announced in a press release. Look, I I know there are people who do not want to hear anything more about Taylor Swift. However, uh, this is a significant movie story. Because, first of all, I don't ever remember a movie getting announced and the tickets going on sale the same day. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine like Kevin Feige getting on stage at Comic-Con and saying, and also we're pleased to announce a Bishop movie. I'm just making, pulling the name of an X-Man out, a Bishop movie and tickets are on sale now. (laughs) What? I can't remember that ever happening before, but they announced this Taylor Swift concert movie and then put the sales, the tickets on sales that day, crash ticket sites, crash the theater sites Sold out all the shows, crashing and now, football stadiums, crashing football stadiums. Listen, listen, no, <laughs> listen. I saw some stats the other day that said that. Um, actually, here's here's the thing. Here, you bring right. this bring this up. So they were talking about this. Uh, Travis Kelsey instantly gained nine hundred thousand new Instagram followers. Jeez. The Kelsey Brothers podcast, which, by the way, you don't even have to be a sports fan. The New Heights podcast by the Kelsey Brothers, it's like Anne's favorite podcast. It's really great. It's really entertaining. But it was the number one sports podcast in the world. Well, it became the number one podcast in the world. And Travis Kelsey jerseys, the sales on those jerseys went up by 40, 400%. As a matter of fact, Travis's brother, Jason, the one with the beard, his jersey was the number one selling NFL jersey to women, and after Travis Kelsey started dating Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey's jersey became the number one selling NFL jersey. It's good for um, it's good for you know commercials
3: ad space too for the NFL. You I know? mean, you no,
0: know, the NFL loved it. Listen, we watched the Sunday night game the other night, and because you know Taylor Swift was there at the stadium cheering on Travis Kelsey. And, of course, she had Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman. As one does. uh, You know, in the box with her and all that kind of stuff. They actually did the television network before the game started, five minutes before the game started, (laughs) had the cast of The Voice do an explainer video to all the Swifties tuning into their first football game ever to explain kind of what was going on. It, It was nuts. And then, of course... You know the Swift management thought, well, there's not going to be a better time for us to advertise the Aeros tour, so they bought a bunch of commercial space on that too. It's it's been crazy. Listen, right now they're saying that the opening weekend of this concert video movie is going to be 100 to 125 million dollars, which has never been done before.
3: And that's domestic.
0: And that's domestic. And I think those numbers are low. I think there is a possibility. Ray, you'll have to fact check me on this. I think the number one opening weekend of the year is Barbie at $168 million. I think that's the number one opening weekend box office of the year so far. And I think it's 168. I might be off by that. Listen, I'm going to go on record right now. I I think there is a possibility. They're projecting 100, 125. I think there's a chance that this concert video exceeds Barbie, Barbie's opening weekend and becomes the number one box office opening weekend of the year. Which is insane. I mean, it's just crazy. But Cinemark is now saying it's it's broken their record for pre sales, and it's like ten times more in demand than any other tickets they have. It is Barbie. It is Barbie as a one sixty eight, one fifty five, one fifty five. Okay, for so three day first three days
1: in theater, first three days.
0: All right, so there you go. One fifty. I think there's a chance that it beats it. So anyway, Chris, I mean, Cinemark is now saying this is the most pre sales tickets they've ever done for a movie. It says it's way outpacing everything else they've got. I don't know what seats are even left for people to buy their tickets because Anne went on the other day because Anne decided she wanted to get tickets. She goes, "I couldn't find any tickets." So, what do you think about this Cinemark saying this is the a pre sales record for them? And how big of an opening do you think this stupid movie can actually be?
2: Oh man, stupid movie! Not it's stupid. an event, John. I got <laughs> this my is an tickets. event. I got my tickets when they were announced. I'm so excited about this. Yeah, but only
3: to one night. You're not a real fan.
2: I'm a fake fan. I'm only going one night. Yeah. I really should go see it. You're not a Swifter. You're just
3: a Swifter. Yeah.
2: I'm just need a to Swifter. I at least five. I'm just cleaning floors. So <laughs> I think this is amazing for folks. I think this is amazing for, thank you, Gray. I think this is amazing for the exhibitors. You know, after um, just getting back on their feet, I'm so glad that theaters are going to have another event movie for the fall. Because everything got shuffled around because the writers strike because the actors strike right where people aren't turning out to theaters as much as we thought they would, where the usual kind of blockbuster superhero fare isn't always delivering. So that is my big takeaway from this is, again, regardless of what you think about Taylor Swift, regardless if you're going to go, this is huge for theater owners.
0: Oh, massive for the theater industry. Huge.
2: So good for all of them. And she just has a lot of power right now. And if it's getting people to tune into the NFL, if it's getting people like me to learn about football, which I think they're doing it in such a wonderful way on Travis's podcast too, that whole no stupid questions part or no dumb yeah. questions. Yeah. It's, it's so great that they can explain some football and then also go, oh, oh, how do I explain that? Yeah, that's just something I do. I don't know how I explain that to somebody. And it makes you feel a little less stupid when you don't know about sports like me. So I'm thrilled with everything happening with Taylor Swift. Y'all should have gotten your tickets early. I'm going to be seeing my face off.
0: By the way, Chris, I I highly, highly Mm -hmm. recommend. I know you're not a sports ball girl. Not. Which, by the way, I just bought you a present. It shows up in a few days. I'll I'll, I'll give it to you when it gets here. But even though you're not sports ball girl, I highly, highly recommend. Go on, find Travis and JC's, uh, JC's Travis and Jason's uh, podcast is called new heights mm-hmm. and find the episode. I think it's the most popular one they did. They just did it like last month where it's all Jason's wife. They have Jason's wife on with them. Oh, and okay. she like became America's sweetheart, like overnight, like she's like the ultimate woman. She's in She's insane. She's like, she's got she's in this big burly football thing and she's got the whole like she runs that roost. It's you gotta see it. She's great. It's it's amazing. And I think it's like the best sports podcast episode for a non-sports fan to check out. I think you'll love these guys if you watch that episode with the one with Jason's wife. It's pretty good.
2: Oh, sweet. I'll check it out.
0: All right. Guys, with that all down, let's move on to this, shall we? I'm gonna talk about this first season of Ahsoka. Now that, that it's done, and I'm, I'm going to give you the heads-up warning, I didn't like it, all right? Spoiler alert, I'm going to bury the lead here, or, or not bury the lead, I, I didn't like it. I, and I've had a lot of people asking me, John, we know you don't want to crap talk on stuff, that's why you haven't been reviewing all the individual episodes, but now that's done, can you just tell us why you didn't like it and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, you know what, okay, this one last time, I will go into it. And the reason I'm going to go into it is because that is actually the topic of today's Mint Mobile, hotline question of the day. If you guys have a question or a topic you'd like to hear me address here on the show, go ahead and call Ryan Reynolds' own Mint Mobile hotline anytime, 24 hours a day, at 951-268-4259. And the topic of today's is clearly about Ahsoka. Check it out.
3: Hey, John and crew. This is Ben calling from Ohio. I know you said you tapped out Ahsoka, but I finished the series last night, and I found it to be a mixed bag at best. And I really found Dave Filoni's direction to be weak and thought his episodes were clumsy with the writing and dialogue. And I know his big Nandoverse movie is next. So should fans be worried about this movie being as weak as his other live action episodes? I personally don't have a lot of hope for it, but I wanted to hear your thoughts. Thanks.
0: All right, Ben, thanks a lot for calling that in. Let me set a little bit of groundwork here for those maybe of you who don't know about this. Okay. So I don't like, uh, crap talking on things. I rather focus on the things that I like and not spend my time crap talking on things. I know there's other outlets and channels that just like to be negative all the time. I don't like to be that. So after a couple of episodes of Ahsoka and I mentioned that I wasn't really enjoying it, I decided not to talk about each episode of Ahsoka anymore because I didn't want to rain on the parade of other people who were enjoying it. Like everybody knew I didn't like it. So why should I spend my time, you know, as Chris Carr would say, yucking on other people's yum. If other people enjoying it, why would I want to interfere with that? So that's, so that's why I haven't talked about it. But a lot of people got very angry at me for not talking about Ahsoka. And it's it's like, look, I just stayed on my principles. I don't like to be negative. I expressed that I didn't like it. Now I'm going to let everybody just enjoy it in peace. So now that the season is over, now that it's all done, I had a, people, a lot of people writing to me, can you at least, when the season's over, just kind of just summarize You know why you didn't like it. I'm like, okay, fair enough. So that's what I'm going to do here right now. Now, let me start off with kind of one of the things you mentioned in your call there, Ben, about, about Dave Filoni. I've said this before, I will say it again. I have all the belief in the world that Dave Filoni is ultimately going to be a very good live action director. Remember, he's very inexperienced when it comes to live action stuff. But I believe he has got the absolute right attitude. He's got a storyteller's kind of mind. But I believe, mostly because of his attitude, again, I, I've mentioned it before, but that episode of behind the scenes of The Mandalorian, when they, on set of the first day he was ever directing anything live action, and he looks at the camera and he says, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Other people may have recoiled at that. Me, I went, this guy? This guy? There's no limit to how good he can be. There is no limit because he's got that attitude. He is going to soak up information and wisdom from other directors around him. He's going to hone it. It's going to take time, but I still 100% believe in Dave Filoni. And I believe, you know, once he gets over his Ahsoka obsession, I believe he's going to be not a good, I think he's going to be a great live action director one day. I really do. A little shaky right now. Sure. Sure. He's brand new at it. Live action directing is a different thing than animation directing. So, yeah, a little shaky right now, but I have all the faith in the world that he's going to be great. That said, I, I I did not tap out of watching Ahsoka because it's Star Wars, so I kept watching the episodes, Um, hoping to find something that I liked. Uh Episode four, by the way, was spectacular. I loved episode four. I think episode four was a top five episode of Star Wars stuff ever. I, I really do think, as far as Star Wars television stuff goes, I thought episode four was remarkable. I really loved it. But, listen, I, I'm sorry, guys. This is nothing but a Memberberry series. It. And again, I'm only speaking from my own perspective. I, I, if you loved it, that's awesome. I'm only, people asking me what were my thoughts, I'm just giving you my thoughts, and they are only from my perspective. I am not claiming to speak for anybody else, Okay. At the end of the show, I remember Anne turned to me at the end of the finale and said, so what was this show even about? I'm like, you know what? I don't know. They did an entire sequence where it was like the member berries of people who watched Clone Wars, like where they reenacted a bunch of stuff of Clone Wars and they had Anakin there. But by the end of it and by the end of the series, I talked to a friend of mine who really loved the series. I said, tell me what was the point of that entire episode of Anakin being there? What ultimately narratively was accomplished? And they're like, nothing. I just like seeing Anakin. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. But there was literally no point. If you took that entire episode out, it doesn't change anything about the show. I love Rosario Dawson in the role, particularly in the Mandalorian series. But the way they used her in this uh, series, she was tonally very flat. It was, you know, Rob often talks about like very one dimensional. It was very one tone. There was no dynamic range uh, with the character. And while I love Rosaria Dawson and I, I want to see her continue to play this character, I think it might behoove them that maybe in some action sequences bring in an action double because there are some times that she looked a little bit clumsy and slow doing it. I mean, way better than I would have looked if I was doing it, but... I think maybe there would have been a good opportunity there once or twice to put in an action body double um, to do some of the sequences to make them look a little bit more imp- impressive. The logic decisions in this show were also ridiculous. We went back to the whole thing. It's like, wait a minute. So a Jedi Knight and a general in the army are telling you, we found all this evidence that something really potentially bad is happening. I need to go check it out. And the Senate says, no, what? What? oh, by the way, we can't afford to send the fleet over there. But if you and five other people go check it out, then we can send the whole fleet out there to bring you in. Like, what? Like, none of that made sense. Then with the whole thing about even the first episode about them letting Balin and Hadi on the ship, that made no sense whatsoever. But here's the thing. They take their best character, Balin, who was amazing, amazing villain, right? And they set stuff up and they never brought it to resolution. They set it up that Balin had his own thing. Okay. Let's what was that own thing? Oh, we're not gonna tell you. Really? And then they set up another mystery. There's only two mysteries in this series. One, what was Balin actually doing? And, and, and why two, am I watching this? And why am I watching this? <laughs> this is the other one. And the other one was, what's the cargo that Thrawn is loading on his ship? Oh, they're not they're they're not gonna reveal that either. Okay, and in place of actually answering any of the questions that the series brings up, we, we've we've got. By the way, I'm spoiling things here. I mean, the show came out yesterday. If you like Ahsoka, you've probably already seen it. But just a little warning: I am spoiling some stuff here. So instead of telling us what Balin was doing, or instead of telling us what's the cargo he's loading up, we we we, we get zombies. Zombies now. So Z- Star Wars has zombies. Zombies now. Really? Oh, and. You know, Sabine never could use the force before. Never had any inclination towards the force, but suddenly now she can do it and she's so confident in it that she tells Ezra to jump across this impossible chasm goes, "Don't worry, I got it. I moved one lightsaber once with my with my mind. I'm pretty sure I can hurl you across this chasm." I'm like, "Really? That, that that's what we're doing?" Um and then and then and then Thrawn gives this big speech, right, to his right hand. And he says, all these people have underestimated Jedi before. I will not make that mistake. Oh, okay. Okay, Grand Admiral. We're not going to underestimate the Jedi. Cool. What should we do? Send two TIE fighters to engage them. Two? We just saw in in the Star Destroyer hangar deck, you got like 30 TIE fighters, man. You just said, let's not underestimate the Jedi. And instead of sending like 15 ships to go blow her out of the sky, send two.
3: He's like, but I don't want to overestimate them either.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. it's equally as dangerous to overestimate. It's just that he gives this big speech. Too many people underestimate. I myself has once underestimated the Jedi. What should we do then, General? Send two. <laughs> Some call me Tim. <laughs> Some call me Tim. We're like, what? <laughs> what? I just, anyway, it's, it's these logic things. On top of the fact that, hey, the whole 10 years or however many years Ezra and, and Thrawn have been on that planet, Ezra's literally, on this entire planet, Ezra has literally been living within walking distance of, <laughs> of this headquarters thing and where they're rolling across a flat desert plain and like... No, Thron. I have no idea how to find Ezra. <clears throat> we tried. I lookse lookseed, and we couldn't find him. Anyway, that's that's kind of a little bit of a side thing. But I mean, those things, those logic problems, that lack of basic competency in storytelling, just continue to add up and add up and add up and add up, and then you get to you're hoping for some kind of payoff at the end, and all we get is. By the way, the big confrontation at the end is Morgan versus Ahsoka again, right? Here's the thing. We've never even seen these characters on screen together this year. And we're supposed to feel some kind of big emotional investment in this big confrontation. You know, it's like the last um, Hobbit movie. I talk about you get Thor and Oak and shield versus the white orc. And I'm like, there's no emotional investment in it because it's literally been three years since we've seen these two characters on screen together. They haven't built up any dramatic tension with them. So by the time they have Morgan and Ahsoka facing off, it's just another bad guy versus the hero. It, it, it didn't have any more emotional stakes than that. They should have figured out a way to have the two of them interact because that ultimately was the big confrontation. And it, It fell flat. I felt story was directionless. They didn't develop their characters. The logic in it made absolutely no sense. And then the two mysteries they actually do introduce us to, they never established them and never paid them off. And listen, if this was a Marvel show, if this was a Marvel show, we'd all be screaming bloody murder of, they did nothing but set up the next show. That's all they did. Remember, that's what people complain about all the time. And that's all they did. Thrawn got away okay. And everything else was what's going on with Hattie. No, no idea. What was the whole thing with Balin? No idea. What was the cargo that, that Thrawn was loading up? No idea. If it would have been anything else. And and I, I pose this to my friends who are clone Wars fans. If this had been any other show that did that, we'd all be screaming bloody murder, but because it's clone Wars member berries, we don't. And like, I'm guilty of that too. We are all guilty of that. I mean, it, it, it's a thing, but I, again, but that's why I felt so bad about it that I didn't want to week after week after week after week just get on air and talk and complain about the show because I didn't want to ruin other people's experiences. So this is the last time I'm going to discuss Ahsoka. Now that the series is done, that's my overall thoughts of it. Is it as bad as Book of Boba Fett? No. (laughs) It's still better than the Book of Boba Fett. That one episode, episode four, so good. That one episode was better than the entire thing of Book of Boba Fett. I, I put it roughly on the same page with Obi-Wan. Um, they had different strengths and different weaknesses. Um, you know, I just, and I, and I want to be clear, I didn't hate Ahsoka because I still love Rosario Dawson in the role. Uh, I mean, I love the fact that we have Grand Admiral Thrawn, even though I don't think they did a very good representation of Grand Admiral Thrawn here. I like the novel's representation of Grand Admiral Thrawn more. Um, episode four was absolutely fantastic. There was some really good, decent action sequences throughout. I thought they introduced us to a great new character in Balin. Uh, it's it's so sad that we're not going to be able to have him play the role anymore, but I'm sure they'll recast and get a really good actor to do him justice. Uh, so there was, there was good things in there. There were good things. But I think at the end of the day, for me, it was just a Memberberry show that was narratively directionless and too many logic problems. Anyway, Chris, I know you haven't personally had a chance to finish the final episode. You, you've you watched all of it. You've watched a bunch of the first, the last episode. And uh, I just spoiled a bunch for you, so.
2: Oh, uh, I tuned out so hard. You tuned out. And <laughs> so, um,
0: I, I overall now, here we are. You did watch seven and a half of the episodes. Uh, what was your overall impressions of, uh, of Ahsoka? Uh, for
2: the most part, I've... I've enjoyed it. There have been things where I go, oh, that's pretty meaningless. Or "That was a, there's a better way to approach this. I wish this kind of thing had more meaning. Um, Ahsoka going to what I assume we can call like the heavy side layer. We'll get cats with it. Like her going to Jedi purgatory, right. <laughs> all of that. I think we could have had a better payoff there, um, a better exploration of that. That could have been a really cool, interesting character study. I do think it is a lot of, hey, if you like Rebels, hey, if you like clone, clone Wars, this is for you. Check out these kind of homages we do to that. Check out this in live action. But I've enjoyed it. I-, I will say, though, I think one of the reasons why people sometimes get really precious with how Star Wars should be is we put it as this kind of pinnacle of sci-fi. And it's not. Star Wars is fantasy. It's dressed up as sci-fi but it's fantasy. It's always been essentially. I think think
0: that's fair. I think calling it more fantasy adventure, I I would agree. It's more fantasy adventure than it is. It's got touches of sci-fi, but I I think you're right. I I agree with
2: you. We kind of, we dress it up with the science fiction flares, but we don't need to explain the science, which a lot of science fiction does. Don't get me wrong, but it's at the end of the day, it is Magic and wizards and and things like that and saving princesses from Black Knights. So I think sometimes when it doesn't deliver in the way we think it should, we have to revisit A New Hope and say, is this the continuation of this version of this story? Or are these tales now things that I expect so much more from? And we talk about this all the time, too, with how Star Wars can contain multitudes and should. It should tell different types of stories. It should tell different kind of things where it's more spy thriller espionage, things that are more sci-fi heavy, things that are very fantasy. It just doesn't always execute them super well. When it does things where it's more of the, the tale of the lone samurai, right, the ronin, that does really, really great stuff. And I think there's some really wonderful moments in Ahsoka and there's some other things that's more of the payoff is that you're getting a nod to something else you love. And that's a little disappointing, but I definitely haven't had as, as bad of a time as you.
0: <laughs> yeah. There, there were a lot of times during watching the eight episodes of Ahsoka where my reaction was, Oh, did they really just do that? Oh my God. Like I, yeah, that was me. I, I wanted to like him. Again, I, I, I don't want the negative to completely overshadow the positive. Uh, there were there were good things about it. Made my heart smile to see Ezra and Sabine reunite in the last episode or two episodes ago. That the made my heart smile. Ezra is fantastic. That's, that's a member berries thing for me because I'm a Rebels fan. I like Star Wars Rebels very, very much. I actually prefer Dave Filoni's Rebels and, than over his Clone Wars. A lot of people disagree with me on that, and that's, that's fair. But I like seeing that. Um, again, there were positives. There were positives. It's just overall, I was just yeah, I'm disappointed with the show. I, I'm, I'm disappointed with it, and I hope, hope uh, things can get better. Anyway, with that down, guys, I'm sure some of you will want to talk about that in uh, in our discussion afterwards, too. Let's move on to our final topic here today, shall we? Disney+, Plus, following in the footsteps of Netflix, is about to do a major crackdown on password sharing and... They're even saying right up front that, listen, we find people that are password sharing, we may just strictly delete their accounts. Uh, This, pardon me, comes to us from Variety who writes the following. If you're piggybacking on someone else's Disney Plus account, you may soon, (laughs) Ray, (laughs) you may soon have to pay up to access the streamer. The Mouse House has notified Disney Plus subscribers in Canada that as of November 1st, unless otherwise permitted by your service tier, you may not share your subscription outside of your household. The notification also informs customers that if the company has determined that a Disney Plus subscriber has violated those terms, quote unquote, we may limit or terminate access to the service and or take any other steps as permitted by this agreement. The language suggests that Disney Plus will be offering new options or uh, a new option or options for account sharing outside of a primary user's household. Okay, now you guys will remember that not long ago Netflix introduced their big crackdown on password sharing. And everybody said well, that's it. I'm done with Netflix, right? Everybody said, this is going to be the death of Netflix. No one's going to want to be on Netflix anymore. But what was the actual truth? What actually happened? They had their biggest subscriber jump in years. That was the result. And they did a smart thing where they introduced kind of a halfway point. They said, okay, listen, you can, instead of getting your own Netflix subscription, you can be added on to somebody else's subscription for about half the price. Because I, I believe, what is it, seven ninety nine? dollars I think you can add yourself onto somebody else's uh, account for $7.99, right? So they offered kind of a halfway point. And despite the fact that everybody, you know, speculated that people were going to leave Netflix in droves, the real thing that happened was they had their biggest subscriber boost because all these people who were, you know, leeching off of other people's accounts, they got their own. And now Disney... And the big mouse tower looked down and saw that all happening and said, we want a little bit of that too. And so they did let people know a while ago they were going to be looking at cracking down and they're going to start that crackdown now November 1st and they're going to start in the market of Canada. Why they have to do it to Canadians first, I don't know. Why do you got to blame it on Canada? But that's what they're doing. The biggest offenders. The biggest offenders, them Canadians with They're their ice friendly. hockey. Too friendly, baby. Poutine. And we see through that fake friendliness. Don't lock your doors. <laughs> that's Share friendly, your Don't Netflix. lock our doors. <laughs> that was the biggest thing to Ann, I think. Yeah, with that's the first crazy time to me still. First time I took her to Canada and we got to my parents' house and I just opened the door and walked in. She goes, wait, Canadians actually don't lock their doors? I'm like, I, we've never locked our doors my entire life. <laughs>
3: Dang,
1: if you had neighbors, closer neighbors, but even when we lived like in neighborhoods, neighborhoods. <laughs> was for, was for
0: dinner. yeah. Even when we lived in neighborhoods, the reason Ray's saying that because my family lives on the ranch now, yeah, they live at the Campy Ranch. But Big when I was younger, ranch. we lived in neighborhoods, and we all just left our front doors unlocked because that's Canada, baby.
1: Yeah, share your Netflix password. <laughs> share Disney your Netflix your Disney Plus passwords. <laughs> Go ahead.
0: Um, and they don't even have hockey on Netflix. Go figure. <laughs> um, listen, I I think this is going to be the same result here, Chris. I, I think. What Netflix experienced. Oh, you mean
1: Disney Plus? Oh, sorry, 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 sorry.
0: Yeah, I think what Netflix experienced with their crackdown, which led to actually a big growth in subscribers, I actually think the same thing is going to happen with Disney Plus here. They're going to do the crackdown. Now, they're, they've gone one step further, though, Chris, and made it a little bit more serious because they're not just saying, oh, don't be naughty. They're saying, hey, if we think you're doing this, we're just going to terminate your account. And I don't think Netflix went that far. Anyway, what do you think about Disney Plus taking this step now?
2: I mean, the Disney Gestapo taking your account away is a little intense. But I do (laughs) think that they will have the same results as Netflix because people become dependent on it. Well, dependent's is a strong word, but, you know, they really want it. They like being able to pop their kids in front of all this Disney IP. And they're going to pay for it. Because after you tune into something regularly, I think people are going to keep showing up for it. And yes, they'll pay that difference and they'll get their own streamer. I already kicked everyone off of all of my things so long ago. So all these password crackdown things, I'm like, have they not done it yet? Come on. I'm making my little brother pay for all his shit right now. So I, I do think, though, that I don't know. They've made a product that so many people want that I do think they'll just see a subscriber increase. Now, whether or not people stay on once they're paying for it themselves who's to say it'll depend on the content they keep turning out. If it is still kind of hit or miss star Wars things, if it is still kind of hit or miss Marvel things, maybe you'll see a decline. But for right now, I think just for the actual Disney stuff that's on there, that kind of Disney vault access, if you will, I think that's enticing enough to get people to subscribe on their own accounts.
0: Yeah. And again, I think the, the trend that we saw with Netflix is going to care. I think the same thing is going to happen. I think we're going to hear a lot of people say, but at the end of the day, I I think we're about to see a Disney plus subscriber bump. I I think we're about to see their numbers go up. And if they do, then you're going to start seeing other streaming services kind of following suit here too. So I don't know. I I don't know what you guys are thinking. Do you think like if you're somebody who's borrowing somebody else's Disney plus, you know, password, are you going to sign up yourself now? When Netflix did it, everybody said no, but they clearly did. So, I I mean, I don't know what's going to happen here. All right. With that all down, guys, we're now going to move over and start taking some topics from our YouTube channel members. But before we do, we're going to take another quick second here and thank the main sponsor of the John Cabo Show podcast, my mobile service provider, and they should be yours, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at mint mobile for being the sponsor of the John Campia show podcast okay guys with that down I want to let you guys know that while we're taking questions from our YouTube channel members right now a little bit later this afternoon we will be doing open mic where anybody can send in topics or questions and you can even send in topics or questions right now before the show starts by using our tip link that's at www.streamelements.com slash john slash tip you can send that in we'll address it a little bit later or you can wait till we're doing it uh, open mic live and you can just use the super chat feature there either way We'll see you guys a little bit later this afternoon. But for now, let's get over to our channel member questions, shall we? What do we got up first, Jonathan?
3: Dr. Stinky is up first, hey, can't be a crew. Just got done watching the Thanksgiving trailer. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but there's a line for horror that I think is being crossed here. But WTF, the kills are awful. This uh, unnamed figure literally cooks a woman alive in a stove. Uh, what, what the F I'm not the only one who is almost threw up watching that anyway, all love, bring on the filthy. Now, of course, Thanksgiving was
0: its origins come from the same place that Machete had its origins. It was one of the fake trailers during the Quentin Tarantino and, um, uh, Rodriguez, right? Mm-hmm. Rodriguez. Um, what was the name of their double feature? Um, Grindhouse? Grindhouse, thank you. They're Grindhouse. We're in between their two movies. They played a bunch of fake trailers and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and Thanksgiving was one of them. So Machete got his own films from that, and it looks like Thanksgiving is too. I have not seen this trailer that you're talking about. By the way, who's directing this one?
1: Um, Let me check for you.
0: Yeah, look that up, because I'm sure it's one of the, I don't know if it's uh, the guy who did the uh, torture porn movies or not. Um, do we got it? Yes,
1: sir. It Never mind. Is.
0: Eli Roth. Okay, so it yeah. is Eli Roth, the guy who who directed Hostel. Because um, just when you were describing the trailer, I'm like, that sounds like hostile to me. Yeah. So I haven't seen the trailer yet myself. But look, if you saw Grindhouse and you saw the trailer, probably knew where you're getting into with this. But I'll, I'll check it out myself, too.
3: I, I think it's also supposed to be a little tongue-in-cheek. Oh, it's, probably.
0: So probably, definitely. Thing. Chris, this is clearly going to be at the top of your viewing list, Yes.
2: Mm, no thank you to Spooky.
0: You have to at least watch the trailer, though. And, I'll watch and
2: th- the trailer. And then
0: tell me what you think of the trailer tomorrow. I'd I'll, I'll, I'll be curious to know what you think of it. All okay. right, what's next?
3: Ulatan says, hey, gang, is there a streaming service where I can watch older sitcoms? I'm interested in watching classic, like Who's the Boss, Small Wonder, Alf, Family Ties, etc. I've been watching different Strokes clips. Oh, man, I used to love different Strokes <laughs> uh, on YouTube, and it really feels like it, I've been visiting the past. Time travel does exist. I mean, some of those things are like on Netflix, um, I Amazon Family Ties is on Netflix, Amazon. Yeah. Unfortunately, with something like that, you're going to have to move around to streaming services,
0: you know, probably yeah. the, the best thing to do. If you've got a particular sitcom in mind, if you own something like a Google Chrome, like I have a Google Chrome TV thing right on the homepage, you can just search for something and it'll tell you which service those things are on. And so that's probably your best bet, but I don't think there's any like one the sitcom channel that that has that stuff because I don't think they could get the license for that.
1: Uh, apparently, you could watch it on. There's a lot of um, free TV services is it like Freebie and stuff like, like that. Tubi, yeah. Pluto, Freebie, Pluto. Check those out before you start spending any money because a lot of those may have what you're looking for. Yeah, good good yeah. point, Ray. Thanks. It's for true.
3: It, it is like a time machine. It's like because you know technology is so different. Way people dressed and talked. Um, All right. What's ben next? Jekstra simply says Ray trying to cancel Paramount Plus like it's a gym membership. <laughs> I keep saying, "Oh, I've keep canceled my, my gym membership." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I that was right
1: away, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> that went through right away.
3: <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, Mike writes, "Hey, fam, watching your podcast and eating some cookies right now. Nice. Uh, I bet Ray's cookies are way better than they these are Toll House cookies, though." Uh, who would be your dream cast for Batman in DCU? (laughs) Well, that's a segue. Speaking of cookies, who would be your favorite Batman? As weird as it sounds, I would love to see Austin Butler as Batman. He has the charisma of Bruce Wayne and is an excellent actor. Ex-actor and ex-role, it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day...
0: It, this is the the thing that always comes out to, unless I know the script, which we never do, unless you know the script and exactly the tone and what they want this iteration of Batman to be, it's impossible for us to say who the best actor would be to fit that, right? So, I mean, you can say you want an Aust- Austin Butler, and Austin Butler is an incredible actor. I'm looking forward to seeing him in The Bike Riders. I mean, just had an Academy Award nomination. I love Austin Butler. He's great. But I have no idea if he would be a good fit for this DCU Batman, depending on what they're going for. Bike riders, boy. Yeah, like, again, again, I'd like to bring this up. It's an extreme example, but it's a good one. Heath Ledger as Joker. Nobody liked that casting when they announced it. Nobody. Everybody may try to change history now and say, oh, no, I always liked it. Liars. Nobody liked that casting when they announced it. It was all broke back Mountain, boy. Like, that's that's all you heard, right? But we didn't know what kind of Joker Christopher Nolan was going for and what he wanted this particular Joker to be. And maybe if we did more people would have been like, you know what? Yeah. Heath Ledger can maybe bring that to it. So that's why when people ask me who should play this role, it doesn't matter because I don't know what they're going for with that role.
1: I hate to say it, but my foolish foolishness went before that Joker casting. I actually thought Robert Downey, I was like, Robert Downey is Iron Man. I was like, I don't know about that. <laughs> Apparently, he's the greatest Iron Man <laughs> ever.
0: You know so. what I actually remember going back to the movie blog days saying that that's one of the cuz I was with a lot of people when they announced Heath Ledger, I was like, "Really? Heath Ledger?" But with the Robert Downey Jr., one, I was actually quite excited about uh, the Robert Downey Jr. being cast as Iron Man. I just thought doing Iron Man was a stupid oh, idea. Oh yeah, I saw that I, shows thought that first. I thought that's what I thought. I, I was do. like, "Why are they doing Iron Man and then they Yeah. Then they told me that who was playing him. I was like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, I like that they got Robert Downey Jr., but I thought doing Iron Man was a bad idea. And look how it turned out. <laughs> All right, what's next?
3: We got Red One Real Talk who says, after seeing the brilliance of Gen V's first few episodes, I've been wondering whether you, you think there's any natural endpoint for the main line uh, boys series. Or do you think uh, Universe of the Boys is rich enough for Amazon to continue to milk for as long as they possibly can? Look, the fact that,
0: and Chris, I don't know what you think about this, but the fact that the shows like The Boys and Gen V, they're making the super-powered stuff the secondary thing. What they're actually telling are human experience stories. And as long as they keep doing that and focusing on human experience stories rather than superpower stories, there's a lot of stuff to go there. Now, to me, if there's going to be a natural endpoint to The Boys, it's when Butcher kills Homelander. If Butcher kills Homelander, that's the natural end, I think, of that show. But if they keep telling stories this way, by the way, Chris, have you started watching Gen V yet? Have you had a chance to check
2: that one out? No, my week's been insane. I oh watched my anything. god, you got
0: to watch it! It's so good. It's so you know, what? and you've got twenty four hours to get caught up because episode four comes out tomorrow. Oh, perfect. Okay. So, I mean, if if you and Logan have some time, I highly recommend you guys sit down and watch. Oh. It. I think you are going to love it. I'm it's, really excited about oh, it's it. So good. All right,
3: what's next? Jcsc says, Kurt Russell as Jorel. He didn't make my fan casting list, but I dig if, if that happens. Uh, my fan casting for Pa Kent, reigning best actor, Brendan Fraser.
0: I don't know if I could see Brendan Fraser as a Pa Kent. I love Brendan Fraser. I don't know him as Pa Kent. So we talked about on uh, Open Mic the other day that there's, there's a rumor going around. I don't think I believe it, but uh, there's a rumor going around that, you know, Kurt Russell as Jorel. Look again, I, I don't believe the rumor, but I mean, if they announced tomorrow that he was going to play Jorrell, I'd be pretty excited about it. The Paw Kent thing though. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just don't see Brendan Frazier as I don't know who I do, but I just don't see Brendan Fraser as it. All right, let's do two more. What's next.
3: Um, Ron writes, if anyone on the John Campion show crew watches say eight episode series, Uh, where the first six episodes were good to great, but felt the last, or the last two possibly were horrible. Is the series a pass or fail? Basically, does a horrible ending completely ruin a series? It depends on how fundamentally
0: it dismantles all the narrative that came before it. Like for me, and every viewer has their own different stuff, but like for me, if the first three quarters of a movie are amazing and then the last quarter isn't so great, that to me is still a good movie. It had had a weak had a weakness, but it, the good outweighed the bad. I think the same thing can be said of a TV series. Now, let's go back to Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion was okay. I mean, it was not great, but it was just good enough to keep us watching. That's really good elements to it. Some pretty one-dimensional elements to it, whatever. But it was—it was it was just, it's like, all right, all right, all right. And then it got to that horrible ending. So like in that situation, a bunch of mediocrity ending with some real horribleness can really sour the taste of the whole series. Meanwhile, there have been other series that I've watched where I've loved the whole show and I thought the ending was bad, but I still really look back on the show. You know what a good example of that is? Lost. Mm-hmm. I, I I think Lost was a great show. Did it have a horrible ending? Yes, but it doesn't sully my overall thoughts of the show. Same can be said with, um, what's the other one I was just thinking of that had a questionable ending. It wasn't not, um,
3: anyway, you get my point. So yeah, there's that. All right. Last question of the day. What's next? All right. I'm going to bring up our members here as a thank you. And uh, I'm going to read our final uh, question from Gabriel, who writes, John, I'm currently on Dexter season five, and it's really Dexter good. was the
0: other one I was thinking of, actually. Oh, well, there we go. that was great, but had a weak ending. Thank, That was
3: actually Dexter. <laughs> uh, he's on season five, and it's really good. Unexpectedly very funny at times, too. Mm. I heard it dips a bit down in quality in the later seasons, but so far still good. Just wanted to hear your thoughts on the show. If you've seen it. I I love the show
0: all the way through to the final episode. There's a bunch of people who, a bunch of Dexter fans who didn't like the final season. I'm not one of those. I actually did like the final season. I just didn't like how that final season ended. And unfortunately, I wasn't a big fan of the relaunch of Dexter either. I I was really hoping that could be fantastic because I love Dexter. I love that show so much. Um, But yeah, for me, I... Look, the strength of the show is Dexter himself. And I just thought they kept that character really strong. His motivations, his actions, what he did, what he didn't do, the internal conflicts, the problems that he had, the villains that he faced, all that kind of stuff. I thought that stayed strong all the way through. Again, I just didn't like the way they ultimately ended off the show. And I I thought they could have done that better. But again, going back to the previous question, that's another example of a show that, listen the the way it ended did not ruin the rest of the show for me the rest of the show for me still stands as a really great show i really enjoyed all that process of it and uh and yeah and guys that'll do it for today's installment of the john campion show podcast thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day don't forget a little bit later a few hours from now we're going to be doing an open mic so if you guys want to come on back and join us for that I look forward to seeing you guys then. And a big special thank you to all of our YouTube channel members for sending in those topics for us to discuss today. I want to thank, first of all, Ray Ora. Yeah, yep. Jonathan Voico. yeah, Joining us from her sound booth, Chris Carr. Hi, you guys. And most importantly, thank you to you guys for joining us here today. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.